Welcome to the Let's Talk Seahawks podcast. I'm your host, Robert Smith, along with my co-host, Adam Carver-Stellman. And today, we'll be going over our 2022 Seahawks season recap. Adam, let's talk Seahawks. What a year, right? I mean, now that we've kind of, for those of you that, uh, I mean, you'll see the date when we actually get this upload. We, we waited until at least the, the year-end finalist awards were out before we actually started recording this, so we can kind of actually have some something to talk about besides how the season ended. Overall, look, I, I, you know, now I've had time to kind of sit back and take it all in and, and really just assess the 2022 season in its entirety. I'm not sure I have any notes, man. I mean, other than the obvious notes to, to our offensive and defensive coordinators about, you know, going back and seeing what worked and maybe just doing that instead of trying to do something different every time. But uh, for the most part, man, this this season, I mean, I, I think it went better than I thought it was going to go and probably as good as I think anybody could have expected it to go under the circumstances. And we beat Russell week one. So I have you know no notes, no complaints here. I got what I wanted, uh, plus a top five pick in the draft. Yeah, that's exactly what you said at the beginning of the season. As long as we end the season with at least one win and that one win came in week one, you were going to be happy. Yeah, and and I wasn't uh, initially. I definitely had some, you know, my ups and downs for the season, and and the way the season ended, losing to the 49ers. You know, no one ever. I, I never want to do that. No one wants to lose to the 49ers. But yeah, I mean, overall, man, this uh, this was a this was a really good season for the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah. Speaking of losing to the 49ers, I am now a giant Eagles fan. I mean, look, me too. I, I actually I've been on Twitter battling with. Uh, I mean, battling with more. But we already talked about some of. The, the conversations I've been having on Twitter this week. But the biggest one that I've had, the biggest argument that I've, I've had is all these Seahawks fans trying to do some sort of mind gymnastics to talk themselves into why they should be rooting for the 49ers over the Eagles this weekend. I have no idea what you got. I don't know who you guys are other than some of your Twitter handles. Or, But why on earth would you want to root for the 49ers? Ever. Even when the Rams made the Super Bowl, and I was really happy for Matthew Stafford. I didn't want the Rams to win the Super Bowl. And I don't want the 49ers to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, and I don't think they're going to. No, this Eagles team looks pretty stacked. Yeah. Yeah, that defensive line. Like, we, you know, Pete talked at the end of the season about how dominant the, the San Francisco 49ers defensive line was and how that really dictated the game. Uh, if you think the San Francisco 49ers have a dominant front seven, the, the Eagles are in a, it's a whole different universe, man. You got the 49ers, the Eagles are just so much better. It's it's night and day. What do you think of the season? How do you feel now that it's over? I think it was a positive season. We went into the season with zero expectations. Everybody picked us to finish last in the league. Experts were calling for the Seahawks. Oh, they might win a game or two. No more than three. There's no way the Seahawks are going to win three games in this year. Vegas had the over-under at five and a half. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. And I, uh, I'm i glad I didn't bet because I would have taken the... At the beginning of the season, and we talked about this, I would have taken the under, and I'm very glad I didn't. Yeah, I think at the beginning of the year, I predicted that even though the Seahawks were going to have a rough season, I said that the Seahawks were going to mess around and win just enough games to not be able to land one of the top prospects in the draft, which they ended up doing. It's just funny that they ended up doing it with the Broncos pick and not with their own pick. 
But I said we were going to end up with around the fifth or sixth pick in the draft and then somewhere in the mid-20s. I just said it was going to be Seahawks pick, fifth or sixth, Broncos in the mid-20s, and we overachieved and showed the world that you can't count out the Seattle Seahawks in any situation. So I think it was a positive season. I think we saw a lot from this team, and there's a lot to grow on from here. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I, I mean, I, I don't know how you, if you're a fan of the CLCX and have been following them, even even if you've just been a fan since they, you know, became national uh, icons with, with during the Legion of Boom era, I don't know how you could watch the Seahawks from then and not think that this is a, this is, we're building towards something. Now we've got a lot to, to do in this offseason, and I know we'll get to that uh, with our our future shows. But the Seahawks, this is a bright future. I mean, I, I'm I'm probably more positive about the Seahawks' future now than I have been since Mike Holmgren came over from Green Bay. Yeah, no, I'm really excited going into this next year. Pete Carroll's excited, which is great. The team is ready to go. I think it was a great launching off point for this team. I really hope they address some of the schematic issues that we had and some of the play calling issues on offense. But really, just a few tweaks and this team is going to be dangerous. I mean, look, we already were. I mean, we we uh, we played spoiler uh, for a couple of teams, uh, you know, um, going into this this playoff season. And we didn't look that great doing it. And, and again, I don't think it's because we don't have the players or we don't have the coaching staff or, or any of that. I just think we we haven't figured out who we are uh, as a team post Russell Wilson yet. But I think we will. I have all the faith in the world in John Schneider and Pete Carroll, and I do believe that they will uh, use this this season as a springboard into what comes next. And I think what comes next is is going to be fun to watch. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think this team is really going to find its identity in the offseason and they're going to hit the ground running here at the start of next season. You mentioned earlier that we waited to do this podcast until the AP announced its award finalists for the season. So let's run through those. Let's see who those finalists are. I'm sure we're going to have a comment or two about each award. Yeah, spoiler alert, they got some of these wrong, guys. The AP got some of these wrong. Hey, I thought, I thought these guys were the experts. You know, guys like Bill Barnwell, who said the Seahawks had the worst offseason in the league. Sure. Yeah, I'm glad he gets a vote. I'm glad he gets a vote. We'll start out with our league MVP. We have five finalists here. Bills quarterback, Josh Allen. Bengals quarterback, Joe Burrow. Chiefs quarterback, Patrick Mahomes. Eagles quarterback, Jalen Hurts. And Vikings wide receiver, Justin Jefferson. I don't have any problem with these five selections, per se. I think Justin Jefferson was thrown in there because they they wanted they needed a non-quarterback in the final five. Not that he doesn't deserve to be in the conversation. He absolutely does. He had, I, I think he had a better season last year than he had this year, but he still had a pretty dang good season this year in, in Minnesota. Uh, but I don't think anybody, nobody thinks that Justin Jefferson is going to win MVP when he's stacked up against those, those other four guys, because those other four guys play what is ostensibly the most important position on the field at quarterback. Look, I don't want to, taking nothing away from Jalen Hurts, taking nothing away from from Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, uh, or who I'm sorry, who was the other quarterback that was in there? Oh, uh, Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow. All these guys deserve to be in in the conversation for uh, MVP. But the fact that Geno Smith isn't, uh, I think, shows 
uh, some bias in the, in the media. I, there, there's a million stats I could point out from the, not a million, but there's quite a few stats I could point out from this season to show why if any of, uh, if those four quarterbacks deserve to be in the conversation, so does Geno Smith. And that's just based off numbers. I'm just talking about completion percentage, touchdown to interception ratio, uh, total offense, passing yard, all those things. He is up on that level with those five, those other four guys. I mean, he led the league in completion percentage. He had more passing touchdowns than Josh. I mean, there's there's a million stats that we can talk about. Again, I said a million, and that's not the actual number. But the biggest thing for me, and, and I thought that this was a really important stat that no one really pays attention to, but if we're going to talk about MVP, which is the most valuable player, that's what MVP stands for, most valuable player. Obviously, that that's not actually what it stands for in the minds of the Writers Association, but that is what those those letters mean. Geno Smith is the only quarterback, the only offensive player that, as a matter of fact, that didn't play on the offensive line, that played every single game for his team. There were 21 players this season that played every single game, started every single game for the team. Played every single snap. Thank you. 20 of those 21 players were offensive line. 20 of the 21. The only non-offensive lineman that is in that in that conversation or on that list is Geno Smith. He was on the field every down, every game for the Seattle Seahawks on offense. And he's the only quarterback that can say that. And I think that stat alone should put him firmly in that MVP conversation. Because if Geno Smith isn't on the field for the entire season, the Seahawks definitely aren't in the playoffs and uh, probably don't pass that five and a half game winning mark that, uh, that Vegas threw on it. So certainly Geno Smith should be the MVP for the Seahawks if, if we were doing just a team MVP. But the fact that he's not in that national conversation, that's my only issue with that, uh, that list of, uh, of players for, for MVP. And that's a long way of saying that I disagree with the fact that Geno Smith's not on there. Adam took the long-winded approach. I'm just going to say, listen, we know MVP in the minds of the voters is most valuable quarterback. So one of the quarterbacks is going to win. Honestly, I don't care who. Yeah, so who do you, who do you think is going to win, and why is it Patrick Mahomes? I, that's the question. I think it's going to be Jalen Hurts, and I think it's going to be the story of the Eagles this season that pushes it over for Jalen Hurts. I, I would love to agree with you, but I, but I know for a fact that these guys also take postseason into account, um, even though they say that they don't, and it's just, it's just the regular season. But the fact that Pat, Patrick Mahomes uh, played through a high ankle sprain and, and, and is going to play through a high ankle sprain, I think is gonna gonna bump him up there. I, I do think I, I agree. I think Jalen Hurts should be the one winning it. Although you can also make a you can make an argument that the reason why Jalen Hurts had such a great season was because AJ Brown is now on the team. But I, I think it's gonna be Patrick Mahomes. Uh, no, I don't think he should win it, but I think he's going to. All right. The next award is Offensive Player of the Year. We have four finalists: Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes, Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts. Dolphins wide receiver Tyreek Hill, Vikings wide receiver Justin Jefferson. I think that possibly Justin Jefferson could sneak in here because they're going to be like, oh, well, this now we can give it to a skill position player because we obviously already gave out the quarterback award. So let's give it to one of the other guys, even though I think many people who look at the fundamentals and understand the game of football will know that the most valuable player on the field and the offensive player of the year 
is probably an offensive lineman. Just my two cents on that. Probably, yes, but it's not going to be and may never be an offensive lineman. I mean, there's there's certainly guys that, that, that fit that mold. I think Jason Kelsey of the uh, Philadelphia Eagles might might be among that in that conversation if they were ever going to name an offensive lineman. But I'm, I'm with you. I think uh, I'm pretty, you know, obviously I think the MVP is going to go to a quarterback. I'm pretty sure that the uh, offensive player of the year is going to go to a skill position player. And I'm pretty sure that player is Justin Jefferson, mainly because he also has got a nod for the MVP vote. And that's why he's going to beat out Tyreek Hill. All right, the defensive player of the year. We have three finalists. Cowboys linebacker Micah Parsons, 49ers defensive end Nick Bosa, Chiefs defensive tackle Chris Jones. I think this is going to be Bosa. I think it should be Bosa. As much as I don't want to see a 49er win this award, he led the league in sacks. He is just a menace on the field and he missed games due to injury. So he put up those ridiculous numbers he put up this year in fewer games than everybody else. I think it's going to be 49ers defensive end Nick Bosa. See, I think because he missed those games, that's why I don't think he's going to get it. I'm not sure why Chris Jones is in there. Not because I don't think Chris Jones is a great player, but Chris Jones did not put up numbers this year. He, he's not, he's, he did not stand out in the statistics category. Uh, he's a great player, but I don't see him in the same category as Micah Parsons and Joey Bosa. Uh, I think Micah Parsons should win this. Nick Bosa. Thank you. So here's one Seahawks fans will be paying attention to. The Offensive Rookie of the Year has three finalists. 49ers quarterback Brock Purdy. Seahawks running back Kenneth Walker III. Jets wide receiver Garrett Wilson. I got to play the homer pick. I'm going to go with Kenneth Walker. I think he actually deserves to be the pick as well. So... That's my pick, Kenneth Walker. Yeah, of course, Kenneth Walker deserves to be the pick. I mean, for for several reasons. Number one, uh, he he led all rookies in in touchdowns. Uh, number two, he led all rookies in uh, yards from scrimmage. Uh, and number three, uh, he only started thirteen out of the six or out of the seventeen games. He played in every game, but he did not start the entire season. Whereas Garrett Wilson did. I, however, I'm going to take that same argument and say that's why some one of those three should not be in the conversation. I do not think that Brock Purdy should be nominated for this award. Uh, certainly not over someone like Chris Olave, who also had a great season at the wide receiver position. Not taking anything away from the season that Brock Purdy has had, but the man started five games in a 17-game season. And yes, he won all five of those games. With the number one ranked defense. Yeah, now he, he, he stepped into the most complete team in the NFL and stood behind the buggy and let the horses drive. I mean, he he didn't Brock Purdy all the accolades. I think he's I think he's the 49ers QB of the future. He does not deserve to be in the conversation for rookie of the year. All right. Defensive rookie of the year. We have three finalists as well. Lions defensive end Aiden Hutchinson, Jets cornerback Sauce Gardner, Seahawks corner Tariq Woolen. I'm been a huge Tariq Woolen fan. I've been banging the drum for him since before the draft. I think he's played lights out. I think he has a better on-field resume than Sauce Gardner. But honestly, I think Lions defensive end Aiden Hutchinson should win this award. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. In, in that Sauce Gardner is a distant third to Tariq Woolen and Aiden Hutchinson this vote. However, I am almost positive that Sauce Gardner is going to win Defensive Rookie of the Year. And that's upsetting because he he isn't 
on the same level as those other two players. What Aiden Hutchinson did this, this season is is fantastic. Man, an insane rookie year. He was the number one guy on that defensive line. Obviously, high draft pick. You know, uh, so everyone was kind of gunning for him anyway. But he I, just watch the tape. The man is the man is an absolute force on that on that defensive line. The reason that Tariq Woolen deserves to deserves to be in the conversation ahead of Sauce Gardner is for all the reasons that you said. Statistically, he had a better season, better quarterback rating when thrown against. He allowed fewer yards in coverage. Yes, he allowed more touchdowns, and he didn't have as many pass breakups, and he had a slightly bigger completion percentage. However, he more than doubled Sauce Gardner's interceptions. Uh, he also had fumble recoveries, a block kick. I mean, the man had a rookie season for the ages, regardless of position. Uh, I So I think Aiden Hutchinson probably deserves to win it. Certainly, Tariq Willen should be in the conversation. Sauce Gardner is going to win it, but doesn't deserve it. Comeback player of the year, Seahawks quarterback Geno Smith, 49ers running back Christian McCaffrey, Giants running back Saquon Barkley. I actually think the Seahawks are going to come away with hardware in this award. I believe Geno Smith is going to walk away with this one. I've heard people out there questioning why he's even in the running, because traditionally comeback player of the year is somebody who suffered an injury and then was able to get back to their playing form or exceed where they were before, you have to think. There were years before Geno Smith saw the field. He essentially was a coach on the sideline. Carried a clipboard, watched the game. He got his chance. He stepped in. He played Pro Bowl caliber football out there. That's why Geno Smith deserves to be the comeback player of the year. He came in and he earned his spot here as the comeback player of the year nominee. Yeah, look, I'm 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 right there with you. I look, this isn't unprecedented for someone to, to be nominated because of taking this kind of uh, shift uh, when when given a chance to start. Ryan Tannehill was the comeback player in 2019. Yes, I know he had an injury the season prior to, but he it's not it's not as if he was coming off some catastrophic season. He just had a down season in his last season in Miami. Got traded to the Titans, won the starting job, and went on to have a great season. Led the team to the playoffs. Pretty similar story to to Geno Smith, except for. Geno Smith wasn't starting the the several years uh, before being nominated for Comeback Player of the Year. I want Geno to win. I think Geno deserves to win. I think he might because he's the only quarterback in this conversation and because he was kind of, in my opinion, snubbed for MVP. But it's Christian McCaffrey, I don't think, deserves to have this one at all. He's he's had a couple of bad seasons. And and yes, I know he had a great season this year, but... He's a 49er, so I don't want him to win. But both him and Saquon had really good comeback seasons this year. They definitely deserve to be in this conversation. But yeah, look, anybody arguing that Geno shouldn't be in this conversation doesn't know anything about football and doesn't understand what comeback means. Our next award, Coach of the Year, we have Bills' Sean McDermott, Eagles' Nick Sirianni, 49ers' Kyle Shanahan, Giants' Brian Dable, Jaguars' Doug Peterson. I think Giants coach Brian Dable should be the winner of this award. I think he's shown great growth in that team. Number two is Eagles coach Nick Sirianni. And I would be fine with either of those two guys winning. I think Doug Peterson belongs on this list. I'm not sure why Kyle Shanahan and Sean McDermott are even in the conversation here. Well, I can tell you, I can, I can actually tell you why both of those guys are in the conversation here. Um, 
two different reasons. Shanahan's in the conversation because he has had to coach a team through losing their starting quarterback, their backup quarterback, and then making the playoffs with a third string, seventh round pick at quarterback. Do I think that has anything to do with coaching? I mean, some of it, yeah. I think that's probably more on the GM for identifying Brock Purdy in the draft and saying, hey, let's get this guy with this last pick because he could be something. As far as Sean McDermott goes, I actually think Sean McDermott has is, is the dark horse to win this, and I think he probably will win it, and I'll tell you why. The reason, well, first let me tell you why he's nominated. He's nominated because of what happened to DeMar Hamlin, which was tragic and an awful thing to happen, and, and certainly to take his team and then have them win their last two games uh, after that tragedy is, is unprecedented and a great, great feat for anyone. But he's only, that happened three games before the end of the year and they were already in the playoffs they already had wrapped up a playoff spot before so it's not as though those last two games really mattered they didn't end up getting the number one overall seed anyway and now they're out of the playoffs not taking anything away from what happened to Mar Hamlin or what Sean McDermott did in those last three games but that's three games out of a 17 game season where he had to overcome some kind of obstacle Kyle Shanahan Maybe he had a little bit more to overcome. The other three guys are, I think, absolutely should be in this conversation. Nick Sirianni because of how well the Eagles did this year. Brian Dable for how he turned around the Giants and the year that they have. I don't know about Doug Peterson. I feel a little bit... Uh, that That's the one I actually would take off this list because Doug... Pe I know, I know, I'm talking a lot. But I'm, I'll wrap it up right now. Doug Peterson I don't think should be on this list because Doug Peterson came into the best situation of any coach this year. Came into a team that was had no expectations because of how terribly they'd underperformed. They were in the absolute worst division in football. And he knew he was coming into a team that had just a ridiculous amount of talent that had just been coached by a trash person the year before. Uh, yes, they made the playoffs, not taking anything away from that. I, I, and I do think that Doug Peterson's a really good coach. He's also from Washington State, so we know I love him. But Doug Peterson shouldn't have been nominated. And I think that the person who should have been nominated is Pete Carroll, because Pete Carroll led a team that had not not no expectations but didn't know it no one thought they were going to do anything because they were in a tough division they traded their their uh star quarterback in the offseason uh and uh everyone just doubted they were going to do anything and yet guess what he was able to rally the team and take them to the playoffs again the the bar keeps the the, the goalposts keep moving here and that's why Pete carroll never gets nominated for coach of the year and it makes no sense for him. the last award set of finalists that we have is the assistant coach of the year and that's oh. Eagles offensive coordinator Shane Steichen. I'm sure I said that wrong. 49ers defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryans. Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson. I think these are all great choices, but I believe 49ers defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryans deserves this award hands down. He did some amazing things this year. Yeah, considering what he had to overcome because the offense was a mess because of losing two quarter starting quarterbacks. Yeah, D'Amico Ryans... Ryan's for sure should should win this award, and I'm sure he's going to be a coach, a head coach somewhere next year. All right. And ESPN came out with their 2022 draft class rankings, and this was the rankings they did after the class performed. And congratulations, Seahawks. Somebody at ESPN thinks you did a good job. This was not Bill Barnwell, by the way. These were other writers. They ranked the Seattle Seahawks as the number one draft class from the 2022 NFL draft. Yeah. Duh. Right. So where do you see the Seahawks kind of where they stand going into the offseason? 
I mean, obviously in a good place. Right? I mean, we've got a lot of work to do. I already said that at the beginning. You know, there's a lot of guys we have to t think about re-signing. Number one, of course, being Geno Smith. And there's going to be a lot of work to do in in the draft and 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 leading up to this this season, along with free agents, uh, in-house free agents, yada yada yada. But the Seahawks are in a fantastic place. They have the second most draft capital uh, in this in the 2023 NFL draft, and that's a position that they've never been in before. So I am super excited to see what John Schneider does with that because he's going to be making some moves. Yeah, I think we're set up well going into the future. Obviously, we need to deal with some salary cap issues. We need to sign some free agents. We need to retain some of our key contributors from this year, which leads me to thank you all of you out there for sticking with us throughout this season. This is our 44th episode of the year, and we look forward to many more. We're actually going to start our second season here probably in a week when we record the start of our off-season episodes. So stick with us. We still need to see what Seahawks free agents the team re retains, what free agents we might target out in the market. We have the NFL draft and we have lots of scouting that we're going to be doing to kind of talk about prospects and the direction we see this team going. So Adam, real quick, give me your final thought on this 2022 NFL season. Um, it feels like 2012. Uh, it's been a decade since since 2012. We once again had a historic draft class. We made an unexpected playoff run, um, and we're set up for to have a great offseason. So, I I'm just as excited about this as I was a decade ago when Russell Wilson was named the starting quarterback. For me, I'm excited. I think we have a lot going forward. I think we've built a ton in this year, and we have loads of potential going into next year. I'm excited. If I was to pick one word, it would be excitement. This has been the Let's Talk Seahawks podcast. Thank you for listening. As always, go Hawks. Go Hawks. <laughs>